0: To
1: your soul. Welcome to What's On Your Souls, a relational podcast where you can relax and enjoy conversation, inspiration, encouragement, and motivation in a judgment-free space. Don't continue to drag around that emotional debris. Here's what's next on this episode.
0: It's an honor um, to have the conversation and dialogue we're going to have today because I think our world has felt a little topsy-turvy last couple of months what do you think
2: i think it has definitely been turned on its head what's your sure. word
0: for the last four or five months what's your word
2: morning
1: have a seat on the porch and let's examine what's on your soul well
0: hello this is mia and welcome to the what's on your soul podcast a figurative approach of a porch where we're sitting and just having dialogue and conversations about The things that come before us in our world and how we move through them with truth and grace and understanding. We hope that it is a safe space and and that all feel welcomed here. It is my privilege this morning to be sitting. In fact, we took the porch on the road today. This is a first for us. We thought our porch was nice. (laughs) You guys should be sitting where we're sitting. So peaceful. So peaceful. Now We did have to travel through some gravel roads and some sharp turns, but that's good. That's life. 'Cause then we ended up in a beautiful place. And I'm sitting Thank with a friend you. of mine that I have not had the privilege of sitting with for a very long time. So today I'm sitting with Doctor Laura Scalfano. So you're sitting twenty feet across from me.
1: So that must mean
0: <laughs> you've been around a little something, something or whatever. Or we're I've just been trying around a to be responsible. Something.
2: <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what you do. Um Okay, so um I am an adolescent medicine physician. Which means I have the crazy distinction of limiting my practice to teenagers and young adults. So adolescent young adult medicine is uh, something that's actually not that new, and it's been around for a while. But um, I uh, I see teenagers uh, like starting about 11, going through mid 20s. Sometimes we push a little further, but usually that's not necessary. So I try to get them through, you know, school. College, graduate school, um, get them settled in, and and then I let the internal medicine or family practice or gynecologist take over after that. Um, Those that group of, of of patients has a very special need. They're different in that sometimes they need a little bit more time. Uh, their life is always in flux. They don't. They haven't lived in the same place. They haven't dated the same person. They might might be lonelier than you know the average 30 year old for example so there may be some other issues that are there of course growth and development that always leads to you know issues and it's difficult to pick out what's normal what's not normal so that's kind of my my niche I'm um Uh, teaching faculty at UT Southwestern and so I uh, teach the residents sometimes the medical students but I usually have a resident with me uh, uh, has a continuity clinic with me so um, they get to experience a a, a private outpatient setting um, and get to see that group of of patients as well so that's you just do a little something something not much just, just a little, Hanging just out. a little everything.
0: So good to be with you and to sit with you, and it's an honor um, to have the conversation and dialogue we're going to have today because I think our world has felt a little topsy turvy last couple of months. What do you think?
2: I think it has definitely been turned on its head. What's for your sure. word
0: for the last
2: four or five months? What's your word? <sighs> Mourning. I, I think that's kind of. I think we're kind of in mourning, and, um, well, you know, actually, we were just talking about uh, this a little bit earlier. I lost um, two parents uh, last fall, and, you know, I learned, I really hadn't lost people that were that dear to me before, and I learned so much about, you know, the process, and you, you have this loss, and, but then you start seeing the good that, comes from that and you know sometimes after like for example after a death of a family member people get closer together and you know you are more grateful for things and you see things differently and maybe you take things a little bit slower and appreciate things more and i, I i've kind of started to feel that way about you know about what's happened with this global pandemic where which is clearly loss and and we can't you know, can't be Pollyanna and make everything good out of it because it's not, and there's so much bad. But I think in that loss and everything we've lost, graduations and, and you know, uh, people who we love and, you know, careers and finances and all of the loss in that, there there's also um, a gain if you look close enough.
0: So how do you move through? You know, there is a purpose for mourning, right, because mm-hmm. that is— the beauty of closure because if you don't mourn then it almost is a pretending that it never was or existed Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's something my husband says all the time that when you love greatly like that's the cost is that the greater you love and the more passionate you are and grateful then that your mourning feels impactful that way too not in a destitute desperate way but it just feels
2: impactful because that's the weight of the love that you had somebody actually somebody posted that on my Facebook, something like that. And it it was the first thing that made me, right after my uh, uh, mother-in-law and my father had passed away, and it was the thing that made me feel the best, um, which was that's the cost of loving so much and having such a great relationship with those people, and and I think that's the same, you know, with what's gone on here. That, you know, I think we have so much to be grateful for in in at least in in our country and in this area. We have so much, um, and so so little s- strain. I know people think that they're strained, but we, we aren't hungry usually, um, and we We don't need for very much, and our children have good educations and you know, then all of a sudden, stuff is taken away from us. It's more difficult to get food, and we might not be able to have our child have their favorite teacher make you know have a great influence on them, and all of those things hopefully we'll come through this being very grateful for what we had before. And that that's you know that's what I hope for. but I do think we have to recognize it, and I see so many people who are they want to be they want it done i mean how many times do you hear that i hear it constantly like i cannot wait for this to be over um and yeah i mean it's not like i can't wait for it to be over either right. trust me because i'm you know i fear every day you're in the you midst know. of it every day yeah every day and for my life and for my husband's life i, I worry I, you know he was he was on trauma call last night i know he was in the icu um, you know, dropping patients off, picking patients up there, and taking them back to the operating room, and he's right there. It scares me, but I want it to be over, but it has to go through its course, you know, and um, just just like, just like grief, and you have to get through it, and if you don't go all the way through it, you're going to miss things along the way. Absolutely. That's a beautiful analogy for it. I, it has been interesting to see how
0: quickly we want it to end, and I think grief is like that too, right? Mm-hmm. Just to make it stop. Make it
2: stop because I'm not comfortable. And when I is it going to go away? I remember saying that about grief. I remember, is this when is this feeling going to get better? Um, and so I think we do. We we tend to want to rush everything nowadays, anyway. But um, I, I think rushing through um, rushing through this process is I, we we get through it as fast as we can, but to to walk through it only seeing the finish line and not moving through it and taking what we can from it and taking those lessons and um, and moving through the process as we should, we're going to end up in trouble. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about trouble. We'll be right back.
1: More conversation on the way from What's On Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to MiaImbro.com That's M-I-A M-B-R-O-H dot com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of what's on your souls.
0: Okay, so we were talking about mourning and the intentionality behind that and the importance of it. I think people run from that just like we feel people are running from this pandemic. Yes. Um, Instead of kind of just sitting in the funk of it all Mm -hmm. and saying, what is this? What am I learning about myself? what does this loss feel like to me and I there was something very intriguing you said Laura earlier about it's almost like when you have some form of privilege and I know there are people who have lost greatly during this but it's almost like you don't have that muscle cultivated where you can withstand discomfort right because everything has been so accessible and um and once you have a certain socioeconomic status everything if you have the resources you can just fix it
2: right oh yeah absolutely or somebody can fix it for you right you can tear up the whole (laughs) landscape and have it redone yeah right someone can fix it for you and I even think even in mental health we have that attitude I have seen I'm not that I'm not I'm not a mental health provider I'm a I'm a medical provider but we work so hand in hand and I see this all the time you know sometimes I'll see a parent you know just distraught obviously because their child has depression or worry anxiety and you know they 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 will go to a therapist, but they feel like it really should have been fixed immediately on the first visit, you know, like a Band-Aid. And, you know, we just feel like there's always somebody um, who can fix something. But it's, I mean, it's just like going to the gym. If you, if you sit around and don't go for a year, it's going to hurt more when, when you get there. Um, But you're building something and you're building strength and you're building muscle and you're building endurance. And, you know, that's important. And, you know, what do they say? No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. (laughs) You got to feel like your arms are going to fall off, right? That's exactly it. And we're, we're building something. And it's not that, you know, my brother, um, said something very wise. He'll, he'll be happy to know. I thought he was wise once, but (laughs) he's a lawyer. So we, we banter a lot, but he, uh, you know, I had the kids, I'm the oldest. So my kids came first and then, you know, then he had, uh, kids and my other brother. And so he said, you know, we were talking about how the three of us grew up, and we had some pretty pretty uh, ad- strong adversity growing up. My mother was an alcoholic, and um, it was, you know, it was rough, but, you know, my, my dad was very strong, and we got through it, and he said, you know, I don't want my kids to grow up weak. I want them to grow up like us. I want them to be strong, but how does a parent do that? You're not going to no loving parent can purposefully put adversity in the way of their child so how can how can we do that how can we make sure our kids don't grow up to be you know fluffy um without you know having some harm come to them and i said sadly you won't have to put adversity in the way of your kids because um at some point adversity will come so you know and you know, this is, I think, a great example of that. I mean, it's very hard to watch my kids miss what they're missing. I and had, you can't fix it. Yeah. I have one that had to come home from, you know, a foreign uh, a job that she had worked very hard to get, and she was in Thailand. She had to, she missed there. I have one that should have been, you know, in college now, isn't. Another one that might have to stay home. Um it, that's, that's hard, and it's not that I want, I don't want my kids to have to go through that, but I'm proud of them for how they're managing through it, that they're not falling apart, that, they're, that they are managing through the process, um, and that's what I really hope for my patients, is that instead of seeing it as just how bad it is, that they can find the good in it and find a way to strengthen themselves through it so that when they come out the other end, they're better. Uh, when I talk to a patient who's graduated this year, like a high school senior, mm-hmm. um, I'll always say, well, look at you, you're, you're the famous class of 2020. And it's so true because we're gonna think about the class of 2020 very differently than we think about other classes. Maybe an employer will see that on a resume one day and go, ooh, it's a, it's a 2020 kid. Because you know what yeah. that is cultivating in That's them. Right. In fact, the kids that
0: graduated from high school 2020 or, and they I think they are the nine eleven babies, um, and so they talk about that all the time. like they I've were born in the aftermath of nine eleven and then so I I believe that too, but it's all about perspective taking, right? like what what is this cultivating in me that's going to serve me? Because when you talk about looking at your children and being so proud of how they're moving through it, uh-huh. that means almost anything can arrive at their door that's considered hard, right? I'm working right. on a children's book, and it's called "When Hard Things Happen." Oh, that's like how to do hard nicely, or really, we're just trying to decide on the the title. But how to do hard because I, I you don't like really that. know when hard is coming. You don't uh-huh. know the form it's going to take. Uh-huh. You don't. You can't predict it. You have an idea sometimes, but then you still have to deal with it when it arrives. When you well, and you have tool.
2: to recognize it. And I think that some kids don't even recognize. I, I know that when. I knew what I was going through was difficult, but I didn't like when we were kids, I didn't see it as we have a tough upbringing. I just thought this is just my this is just my thing. yeah, you know, this is this is how my family is. And I think if you know I had been able to recognize that it was different, but you know, there was a way to get through it and and it was acknowledged it would have been. A little easier, a little bit, right? Yeah. Maybe. Okay.
0: So I, I know that production <laughs> is going to cut us in a minute, and I want to get into to COVID. So I want you to talk a little bit about
2: the pandemic. Um, well, I I think um I can I can talk about um like the details of it if you want um or we can maybe talk about what can we do um as as humans living here in this world, so that we can do something to help. Like, you might not be a doctor or a nurse or a healthcare provider, but I think that there um, there are some things that um, that everyone can do to make it um, to to maybe bring it to an end sooner or to save a life. This is one of those rare situations where even you know anyone can save a life here because. If you are responsible and have some personal responsibility, um, then you may not spread the disease, and so you may end up saving ten people that would have gotten infected, and you don't even know it. So, um, I think that's—I think that that is uh, maybe how, I'd like, yeah. You know, let's how talk I'd like about that let's because this is,
0: this porch is about life-giving moments where people mm-hmm. feel empowered and they can do something. So, let's talk about that.
2: Okay. Um, well, I, I think this is hard for the pandemic and just the, the virus itself, the COVID-19 virus. And what does that mean? And what is, have, what is a novel virus? And what does that mean when we say, well, this is the novel coronavirus? And I think we're, we hear it so much that we don't even think about that. But what it means is it is brand new. And um, I was explaining this to a patient the other day. It's It's different than our bodies have never seen it. So even how we will... Um, How we'll build immunity. We don't even know that completely yet. So, you know, if someone asks me, well, if we get a vaccine, then we're fine, right? Well, we don't know yet. Um, We're fine. For how long? We don't know. And that's because we've never seen it. It's not like it's a new flu season, okay? Because we've seen the flu virus for forever. This is a completely different virus that that we really haven't seen anything quite like this. We've seen other coronaviruses, but this one is acting very differently. So what do we do? We have to rely on the data we have, which isn't a lot and doesn't have a lot of history to it. We have to rely on the scientists who have been studying viruses like this for some time. And I think it's hard to rely on people we don't know. And- Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and I think that as time has gone on over the last, you know, 30, 40 years, we rely less on doctors and more on ourselves. We rely less on scientists and more on the internet. And we think that we can do research. And I can't tell you how many times I, I hear that. And my kids will know it's my pet peeve. Well, I did my research on that. Well, no, you really didn't. You're you did your reading. Yeah. Yes. You did your reading. But unless you can show me your science degree, I don't think you really there's conducted a big, there's research. There's a lot of work
0: into being a researcher, yes.
2: And so I think we, we allow those terms to you know roll off people's tongue and, and it starts getting integrated into the fabric of how we approach problems. And it, that's a problem in and of itself because um, we have to learn to trust. And as a doctor, I'll tell you, it's very tempting to say, well, you know, I think that this is working. Or in my experience, you know, I notice that when I use this particular, you know, cream on my patients that they do better or pill or you know whatever but the truth is I have to go back and recall my training which tells me and I know it to be fully that everything has to have evidence before you use it in medicine you have to know that it's going to not harm someone at least you might not know it's going to help right away but you have to know it's not going to harm and you have to know that um Uh, that that isn't going to cause another you know set of problems and that it that it will probably be helpful for what you're doing so I can't just go off my whim I have to go off research and that's kind of how this is here and I think it's very tempting even we might hear some doctors um, you know making videos or uh, making statements to the press about you know what works for them and and that's fine and I don't think that it's wrong for people to express what works but I think in a um, in this culture where people don't understand often the difference between a peer-reviewed, evidence-based re, you mm-hmm. know, medicine plan versus, I think this seems to be helping, yes. there's a big difference. And as I think as long as people are clear about, you know, what which, which one they're, which one they're touting that I think we're okay, but I, I think that's part of it. So I think that people have a personal responsibility, to look at the information that's there and whether or not they understand it completely, trust the people who they know should understand it completely.
0: We're gonna take a little break and then when we come back, I want you to specifically say, these are the things that people can do to feel some form of contribution to what is going on in reference to the pandemic and participating in the collective good for greater. Uh, because we do hear a million different things. So okay. we'll be right back.
1: More conversation on the way from What's on Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the Leave a Comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of what's on your souls okay
0: so now I want to talk about because I do know when the world is feeling tilted like it is now with everything that's going on specifically in regard to the pandemic what can we do as just lay people because we're not in the midst of it like you are and your husband how can we help this Without knowing, because it's a, there's this dissonance, kind of this schizoaffective thing you've (laughs) thrown my way that says, (laughs) what we do know is that we don't know. That's right. And we hate hearing things like that, right? That's correct. So then what do you do in a situation where you know you don't
2: really know? That's a great question. Um. Well, I, I probably think the, the first thing you do when you're in a situation where you really don't know is, you know, <laughs> acknowledge the fact that you really don't know to yourself. Um, it's it, a great place to start. It, I think it is because, you know, it's it's hard for everyone. It's hard for the people who are supposed to know. You know, the doctors and the scientists, it's hard for us to say we're not used to looking at patients and saying, I'm sorry, I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm not positive how long it will last. I don't know if this is safe. It's, that's hard for us. Um, but it's important because it's honest. And and I think that we have to be honest with ourselves. So um, somehow, of course and you know it's just how we are as americans we're just passionate people you know but somehow this has taken some kind of political turn um and so you know you can be one side or the other you're a mask wearer you're not a mask wearer if you if you wear a mask you might as well be you know i don't know maybe there's a communist flag on the mask somewhere <laughs> i you know i don't get it but i i do understand you know personal liberties and rights and i i have a father who um Sacrificed a lot to move from a you know a country where there was a dictatorship to come to the U.S. and I am a first-generation American, so I understand civil liberties. But as as I used to tell my kids, <laughs> with privilege comes responsibility, and so I think that we have a responsibility to recognize that we may not know everything um, about this, that we may not know if it's the right thing to do, but that we need to turn to the people who have the best set of knowledge about it. And so right now, what we do know is that wearing a mask when you're in a public place is something that will reduce the spread of the transmission of this virus. Um, People don't get um, elevated carbon monoxide CO2 all of the other things that I've heard that aren't correct from wearing a mask or surgeons would be dead okay <laughs> like my husband has a mask on some days 18 plus hours a day and you know he's just fine and you know while I know that there are exceptions here or there I think the thing that we can do is look toward those recommendations and uh, you know while you may not want to do those or you feel that you have some freedoms taken away because you can't go into the store without wearing a mask. um, I think if we see it as a temporary responsibility, something that we're going to do for a short period of time because we care about others, um, that's, that's the right thing to do. And I think it's a hard thing to do, but I think it's right. And I think the other thing that we can do that would be helpful is there are a lot of people who are in a position where they are trying to keep a large number of people safe, for example, school or school principals or doctor's offices or hospitals. And I think that if you could just, I think if people could follow the rules without pushing them, it would be helpful. And, and you know, I know we're just asking that everybody play nice together, but, you know, we're in a pandemic and this is tough on everyone. And wouldn't it be nice if Americans, you know, did play nice together for a change so that we can um, keep others safe because you don't know who you might be infecting. And you you might think you're not symptomatic, but you you just don't know. And I have a, I, I have a, a doctor colleague who sees young kids who has um, a patient that had a grandparent um, that didn't, you know, she did not want to wear a mask. Like she really did feel that her rights were being taken from her. And so, you know, the family didn't make her wear a mask and she – um, was you know driving the kids to baseball and you know all that. Well, one of the families um, had a birthday, and so she really wanted to see the kids on the birthday. And you know, she said, "I'm not. I'm fine. I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong with me." It turns out she wasn't fine, and three days later, she ends up in the hospital with COVID-19. And she was out in a couple of days. You know, she really did pretty well. Unfortunately uh, the four-year-old grandchild did not and one of the problems with this virus is that it is um, it, it's difficult to predict <laughs> um, there are some things that we can say well we know influenza B is going to be harder on the young population we know influenza A is going to be harder on the older population with this virus you know it, it it's kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo sometimes, and, and there are many stories that don't make sense. 17-year-olds uh, who were you know, just getting ready to graduate from high school, or 23-year-olds, quote, perfectly healthy. Now, do we know they're perfectly healthy? No, we don't know, but this is, um, since it's so difficult to predict, I think it would be nice if everyone just kind of stood back and followed the recommendations that are given at the time. This is the third thing I think people can do, is recognize that novel coronavirus is novel. We don't know about it. And because we don't know, we take the information we have, we process it the way we know is best to process it, the scientists, the people at the CDC, um, you know, physicians. We try to do the best we can with what we have. As soon as we have information that shows us there's a better way, or a different way, we're going to put that out. And I think that it's fair to say, we think this is best for now. This is our guidance for now. And then that's going to change. I know it's frustrating for people who are, you know, in business or uh, maybe attorneys, you know, well-educated people, but who who are a little bit, in a little bit, maybe sometimes more black and white or, you know, the rules stick a little bit better kind of businesses Um, medicine is not that kind of business. Medicine is more like preaching.
0: (laughs) I love that. How is it like
2: preaching? Well, you know, because it's, there's, um, there's more than just the fact. Okay. There's the heart and, um, there's the faith and you have to have all of that in order to be a good doctor and a good patient. So, you know, You you can't just, for example, you can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible and you have to pray. And then you have to live your life and do the, you have to live the way that you've just read. And you have to have a connection with the Lord. And you have to have a connection with other people of faith. And there's so much to it it's not just a cookbook like do this say this thing make this confession you know i'll make the sign of the cross on you you are saved that's it it doesn't work that way and and that's that's how medicine is too and so your faith life changes as well you know i mean you aren't the same christian now that you were when you were 20. hope not i hope not for me either because you know and so that's kind of how medicine is too and so what we know now about this is you know we're kind of at the eight-year-old stage of this virus you know that's where this this this, this virus is and um you know eight-year-olds know, they are awesome they're awesome okay but they, but they are they're unpredictable yeah they are wonky and they grow and I they change yeah. and they may be a really different looking being when they're 16 than they were when they were eight and so that's how this virus is so i think some patience and understanding Um, with the medical community would help everyone because I think that that would prevent some of the frustration that we're seeing.
0: That would be, you know, I say this and we're going to bring this to end. It's kind of like when a person is drowning um, and oftentimes you hear about the person that's trying to save them is drowned during that course as well Mm -hmm. because that person cannot relax. And trust that that person can save them and so they end up submerging them and killing them as well and killing both of them right and I think we do that a lot in life because we it's counterintuitive to what we want we can't believe that I'm panicking and you're now telling me to do nothing but and you can save my life it doesn't feel right and so we struggle with our own we struggle with ourselves more than we struggle with other people
2: Oh, absolutely, and, and and having the faith in those around us who have been put there to to help us and, you know, to, to do their job. So you need to hear that we are grateful for you and
0: to you for all of the things seen and unseen um, that you have been called to the table to do for your profession and for your calling, and I know for you it is so much a calling. It is a calling. Um, and I... Um, so, I just want you to know that we see you, we value you, we hear you, and we are thinking and praying for you. I'm so Thank you. honored that you said yes to me in this moment to sit here and that we have driven out. I don't even know where we are.
2: <laughs> you're in <laughs> Aubrey on the county oh, okay. line. So, <laughs> I just know we, we went from se-
0: uh, cement to gravel. That's all I know. So I'm, but we're good. We're great. No, it is, it is gorgeous. And I'm so honored to be sitting on your porch with you. I think if more people would come to sit on other porches it, and with different perspectives it might just help so I have some that questions for great. you some prompts that you didn't know it's okay the dog is in the pool but we're good <laughs> okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a prompt and then <laughs> I want you to tell me what comes to your mind you ready so I'm gonna say I am from and then you're going to uh, I'll tell you the prompt and then you're gonna answer that so okay. you okay so you're gonna say I am from and I want you to list sites sounds and smells of your childhood.
2: I am from South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, The water, the ocean, boats, canals, palm trees, salt, water, breezes, um, international people, wonderful food, Sunshine.
0: I am from your favorite foods as a child
2: growing up. Um, I am from my favorite foods. Um, well, You know, my father came from Egypt, so um, my grandmother w- moved here. And um, we ate a lot of foods that are common to uh, the Middle East uh egypt north africa so my favorite foods growing up were those foods and they're foods that some people know and some people don't but you know like kibbeh, uh hummus which is uh like a green juke plant soup it's weird weird foods it's not weird it's they're um your foods. but that's fish fresh fish because that's what i grew up on um seafood and fresh fish and And uh, Middle Eastern food. Isn't that (laughs) funny how we think what is ours
0: sometimes because it's not in the majority is somehow weird? Yes. When it is great and it's the thing that sustains us and gives us so much joy.
2: So much. Uh I am from,
0: and now you're going to think of sayings and words that you heard growing up over and over in your family.
2: That's a hard one. That's really hard. Um... I am from family sticks together, love, um, faithfulness, um, togetherness, hard work, perseverance, gratitude, joy, happiness. Um, Things I heard growing up, there's so many. (laughs) <laughs> that's a funny yeah, one what did you what did you start? No, he's just well you know my dad this is when my dad English was in, obviously not his first language um and so he he messed up idioms a lot <laughs> and so you know a lot of the expressions that people use I still I, I don't I, I still don't get like um know <laughs> <Yeah>. skin <laughs> right. off skin off skin off your back skin off your nose that's no, the skin. No okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. You. Um, you know, throw me under the water. No, it's <laughs> throw you under the bus. <laughs> under the bus. Like I don't. I don't get them. Like because you know, like yeah. I didn't. Like I know. And you know, my mother. It. My mother grew very poor very very poor in like rural north florida and so she didn't really hadn't really heard much anything either so like she didn't know better so anything went you could just yeah. say it however you wanted to say it. yeah you could say whatever you want throw um, it under the water i'm yeah. gonna start saying well, that. well we thought it was yeah we thought it was seemed like a reasonable expression i like to it me. too throw <laughs> it under i'm just gonna start saying that now um well, but my I, the one that i think i don't know why this is the one i think of but i i feel like i tell my patients a lot in my father's voice voices you know, you hang around dogs, you get fleas. Okay, so that's what my dad used to say. Laura, if you hang around dogs, you will get fleas. Okay, it was his way of saying the company you keep, super important. Yeah, no, We
0: appreciate those quotes on the porch. I think we had one, we had the uh, honor of having a Dallas police officer not long ago, and hers was, I'm too old of a cat to be playing with these kittens. Right (laughs) to be oh to be fooled by any kitten something like that right I think we like a good saying like that because the next generation needs to hold on to those okay and my last prompt is I am from and these uh, you will list virtues of people that are meaningful or friends in your life uh, people that are important to you what are the consistent virtues of those human beings
2: the virtues in the people I hold dearest would be love. Faithfulness, um, loving my family, um, being, being faithful to my family, um, being loyal. Loyalty um, is very important to me. Um, but honesty and um, uh, uh, someone who knows the Lord and is able to speak to me in a way that helps me to know him better. Um, and to help me to be a better Christian. Those, those are the people that I try to keep closest in my life when I look at that. and But they're the people who are honest with me, and even people who are not of my same faith but who are my very best friends who who keep me honest, who who tell me what they think but in a loving way. And I have the same friends I've had forever. I mean, I have the same friends I've had since, you know, elementary school and then the ones I've picked up along the way and um, they're they're faithful. Um, they're loyal friends who stuck with me um, through everything and they're honest with me.
0: I have no doubt you personify all of those things and so I'm sure that that is what you attract. We are so grateful for this time with you and we know how busy you are and how important your time is and you've invited us into your little oasis here. Um, and we've had a blast. And so we hope that Dr. Scalfano and I have offered up something that is relevant and helpful, impactful. Um, and most of all, our desire for all of those listening is that you find rest
1: for your souls. Thank you. As we bring another episode to a close, we want to thank you. And check out our website at miaembro.com. That's m-i-a-m-b-r-o-h.com. Leave us a message or feedback. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to receive the latest episodes and join us next time as we discuss what's on your souls.